Jesus looked at him and loved him and chose not just to tell him what he wanted to hear. That you can't serve both God and wealth. He will come through and our faith will grow. Now, what do you want to do with my life? So we're in a series here uh, where we're looking at encounters with Jesus. And we're really encountering Jesus as he encounters people. And it's amazing to watch through scripture the way that Jesus interacts with people. He is brilliant. He is loving. He is challenging. He is compelling. I am convinced again this week that he is the most brilliant man that ever lived. Um, yeah, and he's just, he's, he does unexpected things. And so today we're going to be looking at Mark 10 and Matthew 6. We're going to see Jesus encounter somebody and then say one thing, and then we're going to look at his explanation of that one thing in Matthew 6, and then we're going to see how that pertains to our lives today. And then hopefully we can all learn how to grow in our trust in God. But before we do that, I want to pray one more time just because I'm feeling it. So, Lord, would you bless this time in the text? Would you help us to encounter you? God, would you empower these words and make them your own? In Jesus' name. Okay, Mark 10. Um, really, we're going to be preaching 17, but I'm going to start in 13 because it shows Jesus' character. Mark 10, 13 says, People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to you such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child never enters it, will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms and he laid hands on them and he blessed them. Here is Jesus welcoming the children and blessing them. In 17, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. And then he said to him, teacher, I've kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure 
in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. So what do we have going on here in 17? This story of the rich young man, the rich young ruler, as it says in Luke. We have someone who comes to Jesus really desiring to know what leads to eternal life. Someone who has been incredibly dedicated to the Lord, who has worked hard and even presents his resume of good works, that he's kept the Ten Commandments since his youth, but he also has a burning insecurity that maybe he's not done enough. Maybe he's not really saved. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's hungry. He, he wants to know what else he needs to do. He's lived a life of sincerity. And it's an honest question. It's interesting. It feels like Jesus almost at the beginning gives him the pat answer. Okay, here's the Ten, Command- here's the Ten Commandments. And then he goes, I've done all that but what must I do to inherit eternal life? I've kept the law. And Jesus loved him. What does it mean to love someone? I think love is to self-sacrificially seek the best interest of the other person. Jesus didn't placate him and say, attaboy, you've done great, keep up the good work which is what he probably wanted to hear, some encouragement, because he's lived a life of religious devotion. He's worked hard to do all the right things. He wanted some affirmation that his effort was enough, but Jesus looked at him and loved him and chose not just to tell him what he wanted to hear. He told him what was true. He told him there was one thing that he was lacking and told him to sell what he had, distribute the money to the poor, and then I'll have treasure in heaven. And it came with the invitation, and follow me. Throw your lot in with us. And he went away sad because it's not what he wanted to hear because he had a lot of stuff. But what Jesus told him was true He wasn't just telling him to be ascetic. He was telling him something true. And he taught about this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. So in Matthew 6, 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there also your heart will be. And he continues and he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. See, no one can serve two masters, For a slave will either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. 
So Jesus tells him one thing, you lack one thing, go sell what you own, give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. He's hearkening back to this section in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's telling this man something radically true, that you can't serve both God and wealth. And where your treasure is, there also your heart will be. And here is a man who is desperately seeking God, who has spent his life trying to keep the law in order that he might inherit eternal life. But he was not secure in that. And so Jesus tells him, essentially, your heart is with your treasure. Your heart is with your own power. You have worked really hard and you have all of this wealth that you are depending on for your salvation, for your security. And he tells him the truth that you can't serve both God and money. So he tells him that by saying, go sell your stuff, give it away, give it to the poor. But this was deeply challenging to the man. And I think it's challenging to us today that we can't serve both God and wealth because we can either serve God and use wealth or we can serve wealth and use God. Now, wealth doesn't have to be just money. Wealth can be anything that gives us power and security. And it's not inherently bad. Wealth, money, power are not inherently bad things. But they become bad things when those are what we serve and those are where we find our security because they always will break down eventually. Moth and rust consume, inflation will consume, a down market will consume, and thieves can break in and steal. It's not bad because Jesus hates wealth and power and security. It's bad because it's not enough and it's not eternally secure. So what does it look like for us? To either serve God and use wealth or to serve wealth and use God. See, if we trust in our own performance, which is what this guy was doing, right? He said, I kept all the Ten Commandments from when I was a kid. He trusted his own performance. I've done a lot of good work. And then he knew it wasn't quite adequate. He knew it wasn't quite enough to actually save him. So he came to God and said, What else do I need to do in order to inherit eternal life? God, would you give me the security? Would you tell me the extra things I need to do in order to be eternally secure? Using God to tell him even more that he should do so that he can adequately use his own power to achieve eternal life. To trust in God, wealth, right? God, please help me secure my money or to make more money or to land the right job, right? We're using God. God, would you give me the wealth I need in order to be secure? Would you tell me the things I need to do in order to perform so that my performance can secure me? Trust in myself. 
right? God, would you please protect me so that I can save myself? See, when we trust in wealth, whether that be our own health, our own wealth, our own performance, we tend to end up using God to try to secure those things which end up being our real savior and will ultimately disappoint. Moth and rust consume, thieves break in and steal, we get old and die. But to trust in God and serve God rather than wealth we get to use that wealth and power and ability for his glory. And so to trust in God with our performance says, thank you for saving me, right? That it's not actually my performance that justifies me. It's not my ability to keep all the right laws, to do all the right things, to to check every box. That's not what ultimately saves me. What ultimately saves us is Jesus, his work on the cross, his blood, his resurrection, his life in us, his leadership of our lives, that's what is actually the thing that saves us. So to trust God with our performance says, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you that it is your righteousness and your performance that saves me, not my own. Now, what do you want to do with my life? Like, like the freedom of not having to earn our own salvation gives us the freedom to do all sorts of wonderful things with God that creates good in the world. But it can be free from that burden of performance being what saves us. With money, right? Instead of saying, Lord, please protect my money so that I'm going to be okay, we can say, thank you, God, that I am okay. My security is found in you. Now, how do you want to deploy this wealth? Like, what do you want to do in this world? We can be free to give or to receive or to have a lot of money or to have a little money. Paul said, I found the secret of being content in every circumstance, I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have a little. I know how to be content in every circumstance. It's Christ who strengthens me. And so we can be free to say, okay, Jesus, you're my strength. You're my rock. You're my security. Now, how do you want to spend my career? How do you want to spend our money? How do you want to engage with the world to do creative acts of brilliant wonder and goodness rather than being under the weight of needing to preserve our wealth or save our own life? Because those who try to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life, give up their life for Jesus' sake, will find it. And so with ourselves, we can be free to trust completely in the Lord for our health, our well-being, our security. Say, Lord, my life is yours. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. That is my life now. So live this life by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for me and loves me. And we can be free to engage with freedom and wonder, the Lord, to say, what do you want to do today? Who do you want to love through me? You know, what do you want to do? We can be free. I mean, every day at breakfast, my boys say, well, my younger son uh, 
they were calling, like, Papa is what they call me, but then his nickname for me, it was Puppy for a while, and then Pup. So I'll say, hey, Pup, <laughs> Pup, what do you want to do today? Or, hey, Pup, what's on the agenda today? And uh, it's really cute having a five-year-old ask you what's on the agenda today. But every day it's the same. They, they, they come to the day with a clean slate and say, hey, Pup, what do you want to do today? And so we get to think about our day, talk about our day, tell them if we're doing school or if we're doing other things and and work through it. But I think, and this is what blew me away, is Jesus's brilliance in teaching and the amazing like weight of the word is that we have the rich man coming not as a little child. We have the rich man coming with his resume forward saying, have I done enough, Lord? And what else do I need to do? But before that, we have the little kids coming to him And he holds them and blesses them and says, no, do not send them away. There's not more important business than to sit with these kids. And he says, in fact, it's the people. It's, (laughs) let me actually read it instead of paraphrasing because it's right here. He says, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them for it is such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom as a little child will never enter it. And so trusting God instead of wealth is this invitation to come to the Lord as a little child and say, hey, what's on the agenda today? What you want to do? But you can call God pup too if you want. Um, we have no idea, none of us, I don't even know yet, the power and the kindness that is available in the person of Jesus He is so kind, and he is so powerful, and he loves us enough to not allow us to continue in. When we want to find out what really leads to eternal life, he loves us enough to not let us sit on faulty foundations. He lets them shake. And he invites us to a greater truth, a security that is not going to erode in difficult times. Because the security is found in him and not us. So I think the invitation for us is to rather than trusting our wealth, self, performance, money, whatever it is, is to grow in our trust in God himself. And that sounds great, but so like, okay, Dave, how do we do that? Right, (laughs) right? Like, can we just like will ourselves to trust more? Like, no, I don't want us to gin up a fake faith or to walk out of here just like excited to say, well, I'm gonna trust, and then we walk into the same circumstances. I wanna give you something to think about and to do practically that will help you grow in your trust in the Lord because it's a process, right, to to grow in trust of the Lord rather than what we've walked in, which is trust in ourselves or our circumstances. And so it's this. Here's our comfort zone, okay? Familiar with the concept? It's where we're comfortable in our life. And here is our trust in God, okay? And our trust in God generally sits squarely inside of our comfort zone. And then the Lord throughout our lives will invite us outside of our comfort zone. Hey, you know what? Go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. 
and, uh, and then come follow me. Like, okay, this is outside of that dude's comfort zone, clearly. And we're left with this gap in the story to say, is he going to obey? And we don't know. I think he actually did obey. I think he went away sad, but I think that that seed was planted and I think it bore fruit. I think the rich young ruler went away sad, but actually ended up selling his stuff. I have no evidence for that, but I'm optimistic. And if he did, what he'd learn is that Jesus comes through. And if he came and followed him and became one of the 72 others that hung around in Jesus's circle, like he would see that in fact, it was not his wealth that was his security, it was Jesus. And he could access the treasures and power that's in heaven rather than just the limited resources that he could see himself. And so his trust in God would grow as he was faithfully walked with God outside of his comfort zone. And for all of us, Jesus will invite us outside of our comfort zone or thrust us outside of our comfort zone through circumstances. I don't know if any of you are living in 2020, but like there's clearly a gap between my comfort zone and what we're walking in this year. But what I'm finding, and it's not been an easy road personally, but what I'm finding is that Outside of the comfort zone, as I walk and obey the Lord, I find my trust in him growing, that he really is dependable. He really does love you. He really is capable of taking care of us, no matter the circumstances. Corey Ten Boom uh, survived a Nazi concentration camp, and she has this quote that says, you never realize that God is enough until Jesus is enough, until Jesus is all you have. Paul said, I found the secret of being content in every circumstance. It is Christ who strengthens me. And so we literally, when we're outside of the comfort zone and we hang in there with him, he will come through and our faith will grow. Our trust will grow. And so I don't know what the invitation is for you today. So if the band wants to start heading back up, we're going to do a last song in a minute. But I don't know what the invitation is for you today. I don't know if there's an area of wealth that the Lord wants to address you in or an area of poverty that the Lord wants to address you in. It's the same thing. Whether we're putting our trust in what we have or our lack of trust in what we don't have. The Lord is inviting us to lay it down and to take a step forward with him. I guarantee you, as many people as here are listening, there's that many different answers. I have no idea what it is. But I know that the Lord has an area where you are putting your faith in something that you have, or you're putting your faith in something that you don't yet have and you think everything will be better if you have it, that's not Jesus. And he wants to invite us today to lay that down, to go and sell it and follow him because he has something better. He has something better in that place. He has himself that he wants to bring. He wants to bring the trust he wants to bring the security. He wants to bring the peace. He wants, he, 
has a future for you. He wants to be in control of that future. He wants to alleviate the pain and the stress. He wants to bring the healing and he's capable of doing it. And he wants to invite each of us into that. So I wanna give us a few minutes. It might be a big thing. It might be an intensely small thing. Years ago, when I was sitting with the Lord, I made this vow, Lord, anything that you want me to do, I was on my knees, anything that you want me to do, Lord, I'm yours, I'll respond. And Jesus said, uh, you need to get rid of all of your burned DVDs. I was like, what? Like that matters, like I'm really to give my life for you. And he's like, yeah, just like, those are actually stolen, so get rid of those. I said, okay. So it might be a really little step that he asks you to take might be a big step of trust in an area that is really sensitive and close to your heart. We want to give them a few minutes. Just as we started with our hands open, just to say, Lord, whatever it is, I want to trust you. I want to trust you, God, and not wealth. I want to serve you, God, and not this thing. I want my hope to be placed in you, Lord. Back in Matthew 6, there's this little section in between the treasures that says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The Lord is saying, what are you fixing your attention on? Are you fixing your attention on the lack? Are you fixing your attention on the difficult circumstances? Are you fixing your attention on something uninspiring like yourself or the circumstances? It says, raise your gaze. Look to me. Look to me. That is where there's life. And that is where there's light. And in him is where the power is to live this life that we're in. So corporately today, God, we resolve to say yes to you. God, would you help us where it's hard? We believe, God, we wanna trust you. Would you help us to trust you? Would you give us the courage and the faith to step out with the area that you're asking us to entrust you. Would you take it, Lord? Would you give us a firm foundation, an eternal foundation that will not disappoint?